Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. Church. I guess that's what this is, right? I'm going to be, like I said, I started like two weeks ago when I spoke, actually three three weeks ago. And like I said, I want to reapproach the teaching about faith, faith towards God. Remember, if you might have heard the very first one when I said, you know, we have to differentiate between faith toward God, faith as a source. In other words, we get faith from God vertically. But then God wants us to grow so that we can use faith as a force. In other words, we first have faith as a source, but then if, as we mature, our faith becomes a force that can work in our lives horizontally, in other words, to affect our surroundings. So we're going to continue on from that a bit today, to say the least, and we'll see where God takes us. But let's pray first that the Lord will really anoint our eyes, the eyes of our heart to see. <clears throat> Father, we do give you thanks again for your holy word. Your word is anointed. I mean, it is anointed without doubt, Father. Your word is anointed. And you said that your anointings break yokes that are bondage. Father, you've given us clear instruction in your word about life, how to live it. You've given us clear promises, Father, about what will take place if we walk before you in your instructions. So, Father, I'm asking you again by the Holy Spirit, who is the great teacher of the church, that we would be yielded this morning to you, that indeed you would open up the eyes of our understanding, that you would flood our spirit with light, that you would help us to see what's always been here and what's always been available and what's always been waiting for each and every one of us in the name of Jesus. So I give you thanks for it, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, everybody said, are you, are you guys awake this morning? If not, I'm going to send, I don't know, David around to pinch everybody, do something. Hallelujah. You know, this issue of faith, like I said, there's a lot of things in my heart. Let me ask this first. Are there, is there anybody in here who's been saved under five years? Can you tell me if you've been saved under five years? Anybody at all? So you've all been saved over five years? Anybody in here been saved under 10 years? Somebody way in the back, right? Oh, good. That's amazing. Praise God. I didn't think that was going to be the case. God wants us to go forward. I mean, just let's just, we're going to have a talk this morning together. Do, do you believe that God wants us to mature? Do we believe that he wants us to go forward? He wants us to make progress, right? I said he wants us to make progress, right? Hallelujah. I've taught over the years that there's three, you know, God does so many things by threes. And I pray that you do listen to me this morning. Like I said, we're going to go through some of the basics, but I think it's going to come out different. The first thing that happens when you come to Christ, it's like John chapter 3 when Nicodemus asked Jesus, remember, when Jesus said, except you be born again. You cannot enter the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus was, what's, what do you mean? How can a, man, can a man enter his mother's womb a second time to be born? He said, no, no, no. Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. But when you accept Jesus Christ, 
when you acknowledge him as Lord and you that decision, you make that decision to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and you believe that, and you can you believe it in your heart, you confess it with your mouth, you're saved. That's called regeneration. You've gone through something called regeneration. God has taken out that heart of stone, it's like it says in Ezekiel, and he's replaced it with the heart of flesh, something brand new. A supernatural thing took place when you said yes to Jesus Christ. Your head doesn't understand it yet, but God did something on the inside of you, the hidden man, the inner man. You became brand new. You became a new creation. Amen? You became a new creation in Christ Jesus, and you were born again. In fact, it says that you were translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Now, that's where you should say hallelujah. It's like there's a slumbering spirit here. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. <laughs> I don't want that. No. But anyhow, but conversion is another level. And you see the whole issue of faith. And let me, let me, let's go to Romans 1. Let me just read a couple of scriptures in Romans 1 first, and then I'll finish this thought. In Romans 1, we all know the verse. We'll start at verse 16. I am in the Amplified Bible again. Romans 1, chapter 16. Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Christ, for it is God's power working unto salvation for deliverance from eternal death to everyone who believes, who believes, to everyone who believes, to everyone who believes. The gospel is God's power that works unto salvation for deliverance from eternal death to everyone who believes. Then it says, with a personal trust, a confident surrender, a firm reliance to the Jew first and also to the, gospel, to the Greek. Then in verse 17, though, he says this, for in this gospel, a righteousness which God ascribes. Now, I'm going to act like you've never heard this before, but as I have said many times, when we read this word righteousness, particularly this morning, I want you to always think again about what it really means. It doesn't mean holy behavior. Righteousness means right standing. Do you remember? It's a legal term. It's a legal term that means right standing. In other words, that which is in right standing with God. Really listen to me, because this is simple, but it's so incredibly important. Paul said that in this gospel, right standing, in other words, what God says, yeah, this is the way to do it. Listen to me. What God says, when God says, this is the way to do this, that's righteousness. That's, that has right standing with me. Yep, guys, you did good. What you just did has right standing with me. It's correct. So everything will work. But again, in verse 17, it says, for in the gospel, a righteousness, a right standing, which God ascribes is revealed. Paul says, when you fully comprehend the gospel, something gets revealed to you. He says, a righteousness, a right standing, which God describes as revealed, that springs from faith. It springs from, it, all of a sudden you have its revelation. It springs from faith, and it leads to more faith. It's, it's disclosed through the way of faith that arouses to more faith. 
As it is written, the man who through faith is just and upright shall live and shall live by faith. Now, I'm trying to say this is incredibly far more important than we realize. The scriptures really unveil to us tons of different tools. Everybody say tools. Tons of different tools that God has given us. Tools to apply to something so that you can bring adjustment, so that you can bring harmony, so that you can bring perfection, whatever. But he's given us tools. But as a minister all these years now, one of the saddest things that I see all the time is that people simply do not use the tools that are right in front of them. In other words, God can say, I've given you everything, everything that pertains unto life and godliness, but then we can never use it. And if we don't use it, of course, we'll never bear the fruit that he intended us to bear. Now, again, this really is serious to me because just... Like I said, I'm still enjoying this wonderful grace of, you know, reading so much every morning. I just finished the, the whole book, the whole Bible in the, in the King James in the last couple of weeks. But in the Old Testament, it just astounds me. I, I, I know you may get tired of my repetition of this, but everywhere you read in the book, it's about God's goodness. He said, I always love even Moses when he said, I want to see you, God, show me you. And God said, think about the pro, how profound the statement is. God said, I will let my goodness pass before you. In other words, the only way you can begin to see God is when you start with his goodness. So you didn't hear me. Moses, I want to see you, God. He said, well, he said, you can't see my face and live, but he said, I'm going to let my goodness pass before you. The only way you can really begin to understand who God is is when you begin to see his goodness and you concentrate on his goodness and you understand that everything comes from his goodness, that goodness is, what wrote, is who wrote the book. It's all about his goodness. And so categorically, God tells his people over and 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 over again, if you'll walk before me in right standing, in other words, doing things as I've instructed you to do them, you're going to be blessed above all nations. Now, again, that's the part that you may think I'm being too repetitive about, but you may as well just get untired of it because I'll probably say it every service of the rest of my life now. Every, God wants his goodness to be upon you and upon me. He wants his extravagant goodness to be upon us. He wants his luxurious, which may upset some of you, but he wants his luxurious goodness to be upon us. He wants our talents and our gifts and our skills to be above all the talents and the skills of anybody else in the earth. He wants us to outshine all other people. That is in this book everywhere. He wants us to be the best. He wants us to, be, to have the best of anything and the best of everything. Again, why? And he says over and over again that those other nations might know that I am the living God. And that's why I said it's really, really, I think, dangerous for us to not 
reach out to achieve these things and to bring these promises of God and to pass on our own lives because that's God's design. God's design is to do that. So to sit back and say, well, that's cool, but eh, you know what, what big deal? I'm going to go to church. I'll leave it at that. So that brings me back, like I said, to this whole issue. When you first get born again, you go through regeneration. But then there's another level, which is called conversion. In Luke, again, it says, if you will hear, if you'll have eyes to see and ears to hear, then you'll be converted. You'll go through conversion. When you have eyes to see and ears to hear, you'll go through a process of conversion, and I can heal you. And the word heal there is much bigger than just physical healing. It means I can bring everything of all my goodness to you when you get converted. So conversion is another level. It's not just regeneration. I'm saved. I'm going to go to heaven. I've got my ticket punched. You know, I'm going to go to heaven. That's great. But why stay there? See, in Hebrews 6, it says, God says to, to the writer of Hebrews, he said, I'm persuaded of salvation and beyond that for you. You got to catch what he means. He says, I'm persuaded of your salvation, but he said, I, I, there's more about this experience than just being saved and having accepted Jesus as your Savior. He said, there's another level. If you'll begin to go, but see, it is true. Like I said, I've been around this a long time. A lot of people seem to be happy just to quote unquote, be a church goer. Do you know what I mean? I'm not condemning anybody, but do you know what I mean? Well, I go to church. But they never go further. So many of them make the choice to not pursue, to not pursue, to not stretch out, to not take more advantage of what is made possible to them, take advantage of the tools. So you go from regeneration, and if you have a heart and you stick around long enough, see, you know, and you start praying, you start doing the right stuff, you start doing the right standing stuff. You start doing the stuff that God looks at and says, yeah, that's good. This is what I want you to do. I simply want you to read my book, keep my word in your mouth. I want you to seek my face. I want you to pray. I want you to come before me. I want you to honor me with your first fruits. I want you to recognize that I am God. I want you to know that there be no other gods but me that I'm the only thing, I am the only true God, that I am the first. Remember like I taught a couple of weeks ago from Robert Morris, I am first, I can never be second. You might, if you want my blessing in your life, you must not keep doing things that make me look like I'm second, third, or fourth, because I am first. I'm, but here again, he's saying, but I'm trying to bless you. Remember, all the silver is mine, all the gold is mine, everything is mine, it's all mine, you're mine. Everything is mine. You have nothing. You own nothing. Everything is mine. Everything is mine. It's all mine. It's not yours. It's mine because I'm God and I'm first. And he says, but be in my graciousness and my goodness, I give you this. And I give you this and I give you this. And I want you to do this. But again, he's after souls. He wants the lost to be saved. Again, the way he says, don't trust me, read the scriptures over and over again. Like I said, even under the old covenant, and yes, remember, we are under a better covenant based upon even better promises. But please, I want you to get that in your spirit. He wants his goodness to be upon you. 
And the word goodness, like it says, it means total supply of anything and everything that you may need in abundance. Never just a little, but in abundance. He does not want you to have any lack in your life at all. That's simply the truth. I don't care what your current status is. You've got to start with the truth. And the truth is he wants you to have an abundance. Jesus Christ did not come so that we could have a mediocre life. He came that we could have an abundant life. And see, you've got to get past those negative strongholds. We must get past that negative stuff. We must dare to believe that he is as good as he said he is. Like I said, when it came to me, and I was thinking, like I said about a while back when the guys back there, Deji and Dez and Jeff and others, about, you know, the fact that, you know, it's time we need a new car. We, we just need a car, like you've heard me say. And no, I'm not dropping any faith hints. I don't do that crap. Sorry, just so that you understand. Forgive my language, but I don't do that. But what I mean is, remember God said to me when I, he thought about, I, you know, they said, well, why don't you look at a new car? Well, I never thought about looking at a new car because, you know, my head automatically goes, well, I'm supposed to be humble and money, 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 and all that stuff. But long story short, you know, they put, it's their fault. They put that seed in me. <laughs> But I sat back and I was praying one morning, just going through my prayers in the morning, reading the book, hadn't thought about it at all. And I just suddenly got stopped. And as clear as day, I heard him say, do you think I'm good enough to give you a new car? Well, how could I answer that? Do you actually believe that God is that good? Do you actually believe that God could open a door for you that will literally change everything about your future? Do, do you, no, yeah, no, 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 see, but I'm not talking about getting a momentary inspiration. Do you believe that he's so, remember like, remember the verse, his eyes are racing to and fro to show himself strong? You, you understand the picture that that is, right? He's searching why would he be searching to show himself strong if he didn't just really like showing himself strong? Is anybody listening to me? But do you know how hard hell works against that picture? Hell wants to think that our, hell, hell wants us to have this, this thought, just kind of that we live in this bubble that God's far away, that God's basically unreachable. But we still were saved. And hallelujah, I go to church and I sing a song once in a while as I check my watch to make sure they don't sing too long. But I, you know, I go to church and blah, blah, blah. And we, it's just, you know, like, like I said, we're, it's just like we're kind of doing what comes along. I don't think we understand the passion of God, I guess is what I'm getting at. God doesn't just love you. He loves you. You know what I mean? I don't know how to do that without sounding even goofier than I do. But see, even right now, I feel like you're not hearing me, and I don't think some of you are. And that's okay, but I believe you will. But God is so good if you'll let him be that good. But can you dare? Can you believe? You see, the thing is, it's not that Rod wants some brand-new shiny car the, issue, the bigger issue is, do I believe God would give me a brand new, shiny, blessed state car? In other words, it's not whether or not I deserve it or earned it, you, because that is never the issue with God. Otherwise, your salvation would be worked for. 
because the greatest gift we've ever received is just that. It's a gift. It's our salvation. But the point is, whatever it is, like, a, you know, I continue to pray for my brother Mike Powell here. I just do all the time because, again, you know, I just, this thing about him and a job, you and this job, you know. And I, I just, I, I just, I can't, you know, the Lord said something to me Thursday when I was praying. There's a friend of mine that's really in the natural close to death. He's one of my closest friends, pastor in my hometown. And uh, this thing's been, been fought with for three weeks now. And I continue, God will not release me from speaking. They said his brain, they haven't had brain activity for two or three days, something like that. And it's uh, breaking my heart in the natural, but he, God will not release me from speaking resurrection. I, he had, the way he's having me pray is, Father, let resurrection come to his body, let resurrection come to his brain, any of his organs. And I, what God's led me to, he said, Father, I, I said, Father, I want you to give him another 10 years of quality life. And he won't let me, I can't get released from that. But what I started to say on Thursday, when I was praying like that, you know, I'm like anyone else, your head kind of goes like this. And then, you know, because then I get the report from my friends that are, that she's the pastor of this church. It was like they, I, Julie and I are their pastors. And anyhow, I get, you know, this lady that works for him, Tracy, like the, the administrator, she keeps test, texting me and let me know what's going on. And basically, you know, she sent me one that said something about, well, there's putting him in a care home now, blah, blah, blah. And in the natural, that's really negative. But then it's like God yelled at me and he said, I'm looking for people that actually will step out into impossible land. I'm looking for people that will step out into impossible land. I'm looking for people that will actually step out. Somebody's got to believe. Somebody has to release faith. Somebody has to believe that when it says God, nothing is impossible to God, that that is true. I mean, somebody, you know, has to believe that. Like one of the songs we did something about, you know, that actually I think is what Ayana brought out about mighty works. I'll not forget your mighty works. I mean, that's something I go through almost every day. I still confess every day I serve the God who parted the Red Sea. I try to see that. I want to be there to smell it, to think it, look at the waves, the wall on one side. I believe my God stopped the sun in its course for an entire day. He causes iron to float. I mean, you know, Jesus, Lazarus was four days dead in the grave. Jesus goes up there and says, come forth with a loud voice. And this dude, boom, pat, is at the front of the front of the tomb. The widow of Nain's son raised from the dead. Elijah had so much anointing on him that when he was dead, remember one of the soldiers, they were going by and somebody died and they throwed a body on Elisha's bones and the anointing evidently is sent Elisha's bone, raised the guy from the dead. Now, what I'm trying to get at, see, I'm, I am really reading this book a lot every day, like I said, four or five hours every morning. I'm telling you, all through this book, our God is big. He's bigger than any circumstance. He's bigger than a cancer. He's bigger than a job problem. He's bigger than any of that. But again, he says everywhere and ever, but just walk in right standing. Do things like I've asked you to do, and these things will happen because I am not a man that I should flipping lie. Sorry, but it's, it's just seriously. But I, and I'm really, I am never been more serious about the stuff in my life than I have been in these last year and a half. But I mean, this, I have made my decision. This is real. 
if things are, if we have a problem down here, always remember it's not on God's side. If something isn't working, it's something that we're not doing down here. There's something wrong here. There's nothing wrong there. Like was said earlier when we were praying, our God is perfect. I think it's when we were praying earlier and Deji brought that up again. But our God is perfect. This word is perfect. There's no blemish in it. There's no alteration. This word is perfect. I said it's perfect. And like I said a couple of weeks ago, you know, God never changes because if he could change, it could get better. But he never will get better because he's already perfection. He's perfect. He's made perfect redemption. He's brought perfect instruction. And he's not a man that he should lie. He can't lie. He is truth. He is truth. Even the word amen. I didn't know this till the other day when I studied. The word amen, if, if I was just to ask you right up front, you know, what are most of us, what have we heard? What does amen mean? So be it. That's true to a degree. But you know, when you actually study the word and go to it, you know what it means, literally? The word amen is translated, it means it's, it's, just, it's this, truth. When you said amen to something, you said everything that I just heard, truth. Truth. That's why Jesus, he'd say verily, verily, truly, truly. But what he was doing, he was saying this, he went truth truth. He first said truth because he got it from the father because he never said anything that he didn't get from the father. So he heard his father say it and Jesus said to it, truth. And then he turned to the people and said, truth. And then said what he's going to say, what the father said. This is truth. And God wants us to get to the place where we say, this is truth. There's no lie here. I challenge you. I double dog dare you. Read the Old Testament and find one place, I dare you, find one place where when God's people walked upright before them that they weren't blessed overwhelmingly. I challenge you. There, there is none. Everywhere when God's people, quote, unquote, did that which is right in the sight of God, redemption was there, deliverance from enemies was there, health and healing was there, incredible gold and silver and finance and blessing was there. It came from all the enemies' camps. It came from everywhere. You can't find, Dr. Cole used to put it this way, that financial blessing and prosperity is the naturally ordered sequential result of righteous living. The naturally ordered sequential result of righteous living. So why don't we have it? <laughs> we don't understand faith. We don't understand what this issue really is. We don't understand that faith is something we need to be releasing. Faith not just hope so, but I'm talking about actual faith. And this is where we have to look afresh again. What does faith look like? I said, what does faith look like? This is why, again, again, Bobby's not here today. She's having to do something with David's tent this morning. But, you know, this vision board thing that we've been talking about where we've asked you to come up with ideas about what you want to see in this new facility that God's going to give us. But see, listen, watch this, that God's going to give us. Right? 
But see, this is the sad truth. And again, I'm not condemning anybody. I bet there's not two people in this church that thank God for our new facility once a day, just once a day, just a five-second time. I bet, I bet there's not two people. I'm not condemning you, but I'm trying to illustrate something to you. Things don't happen because you do it once. Faith is a pursuit. Faith is a decision. If you have faith in your heart, it does come out your mouth. I said, if you really have something called faith in your heart, it will come out your mouth. Because what is in the abundance of your heart does come out your mouth. I said, it does come out your mouth. But when you're in a battle or when you're in a situation like even we're talking about, you know, for a, a, or like we're, we've asked God for our own facility, how do we think it's going to, do we think it's going to come slower or quicker if only two people in the church say thank you for a new facility maybe once a week? I mean, I'm trying to tell you, you need to get in gear for your life much less for the church life. And I'm trying to help you this morning. I'm trying to bring this up to your remembrance that the way God works, the way God's blessings, whatever that may be, the way the solutions come that you need or when you find out what has right standing, in other words, what is the right stuff to do, and you start doing that, that's when that stuff begins to happen. We all know Matthew 6.33, and that's what it says, seek ye first, what? The kingdom of God. But then it says, and his righteousness. But remember what that means now. You need to read it like this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his, that literally says in the Amplified, I think, and his, yeah, his way of doing. Find out the way he does things. And then guess what will happen? All these things, all these things taken together will be given you besides. And he's talking about previous verses. Remember all the things that the Gentiles want? In other words, what the stuff the world wants? See, God wants you and I to have better houses, for example. He just, again, like they say, but he doesn't want the house to have us. Our pride our pride must never be in an earthly possession. But we, he does love it when we're proud of him. And when we're constantly showing expressions of our gratitude towards him and our faith towards him, our belief. He, he knows, it says, it says in Scripture that Jesus, because he is now our great high priest, it says he is now able to run immediately to our cry to assist us. Immediately. See, there's nothing holding back from heaven. I'm just trying, to, I'm asking you, I want you to, before we go any further, I want you to get this picture. He's ready to run immediately to your assistance. He wants to, he doesn't want to delay. But this world, 
is a swimming pool of unbelief. We're in this gigantic ocean of unbelief. We get a little match lit, and it's like I said, the entire Pacific Ocean, all the wetness of the whole Pacific Ocean tries to come upon us and put our little match light out. This is why, like all, you know, all the basic words, this is why Paul said, you got to keep fanning the flame. I can't, you know, we just sang a song about no one else can worship for me. You like that statement? No one else can worship God for me. I, I need to worship God for myself. I can't, you know, when it's all said and done, you need to fan your flame. I can, fan, I can as it were, fan your flame this morning by the preaching and teaching of the Word of God here. And your flame can rise up a bit, but you're going to go outside to the water And you need to understand that God's word will create like a bubble, like in James where it says, don't, you know, count it all joy when you fall into uh, diverse trials and temptations of faith, but let patience have its perfect work. One of the words there is to in, when they envelop you. And it's an interesting word study because he talks about how he wants the exact thing to happen to you in the opposite direction. He wants a bubble. He wants you to be enveloped in faith. In other words, so that you're impervious to what's out in the world. In other words, so that water doesn't quench you. Is anybody listening to me at all? Oh, let's just go to Krispy Kreme. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. I'm going to read verse 17 of Romans 1 again. For in the gospel, a right standing with God, which God ascribes to us. He said, in this gospel, this is what we can find. There's a righteousness, a right standing with God will be revealed. It springs from faith. Now, remember Romans 12, 3, God says this, God has given to every man and woman here the measure of faith. In other words, all of us start with the same amount of faith. And that, because God loves us, that's what we call saving faith, that we can get saved by. But again, let me read it. For in the gospel of righteousness or right standing, God's way of doing and being right is revealed. It springs from faith. It leads to faith. It's disclosed through the way of faith that arouses to more faith. So now I'm going to go back to my original first statement when I said about when people first get saved, they go through regeneration, John 3. But then in the book of Luke, it says, but if you'll have eyes to see, ears to hear, you'll be converted. In other words, it's another level, and I can hear you. In other words, the manifestation of my promises can begin to function, can actually manifest in your life. That happens when you get converted. Converted means when you change the way you think. Repent. Turn around. Think differently. I said when you change the way you think, you'll get converted. Romans 12. You know, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you might be able to prove what is the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Again, it speaks of levels, the good, the acceptable, perfect will of God. 
Everything about God is levels. Again, when you read the Old Testament, he led Israel out by stages. It talks about it all over the place, stage to stage. And every stage was another learning place. And every stage brought them a little closer to the glory that was going to manifest a little bit later when the tabernacle was actually put up. It's all about getting to the glory of God. But anyhow, so you go from being born again where people say, well, I'm going to church and, you know, I'm going to go to heaven. That's enough for me. See, that hurts me. That makes me sad because, again, it's like knowing that your father, our God, again, we have to talk about it. You know, what kind of a price did he pay for us to be saved? And what, but, but is that all? And like I said, when you study the scripture, that's not all that's available to us. So he's paid this incredible price. And like the classic illustration, you know, at Christmas time, let's say you work your rear end off as a dad all year long because you love your son so much you want to buy him this incredible gift that you've heard him say they want over and over again. And so you work and work and work and you sacrifice and you buy this, buy them this incredible gift. I don't know, a motorcycle, a bicycle, a new laptop, a car, whatever. And then you give it to them and you're all excited because you've given this and you, you it's cost you, it has cost you. And then they look at it and say, thank you. And, you know, they ride it around the block a couple of times. And then something else takes their fancy. And they enter instantly, well, I'm interested in something else. And, I mean, you have to look at it. You know, what, what does that do to the father's heart? I mean, he's going, I, well, I, 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 this cost me something. I want you to enjoy what I paid for. And this is the whole issue, what I'm trying to get at with the gospel. Our Father wants us to enjoy what he's paid for. I don't think it's, you know, do I dare go to Revelation, the lukewarm, will I spew out of my mouth? He said, I'd rather you were hot or cold. God doesn't want us to be mediocre. Well, I'm going to come to church. Well, I've been to church twice this month. That's enough. Well, God bless you, but he'll only bless you this far. And you'll actually walk in danger the other rest of your life. I don't want to go there. But anyhow, so you go from regeneration, and then you go to a place of conversion where you've made the decision, I'm going to see, I'm going to hear, I want to know more. And you get converted in your thinking, and suddenly because you've been changed in your thinking, the promises of God begin to manifest in areas. And he, in other words, healing comes. His blessing comes. Hallelujah. But then there's even a third stage. See, again, a lot of people get to the place where they really want to learn. They get hungry. There's a third stage that I'll quite honestly tell you, I think very, a very, very, and this is not condemnation either. It's just what the Bible teaches. But there's a very small percentage of people that, that actually enter into the third stage, which is discipleship. Remember. And Jesus said again in the book of Luke, you know, really amazing, almost frightening scripture. He said to be a disciple. How many of you know the verse? He said, if you be my disciple, he said, except you hate father or mother, brother, sister, your wife, your own life also, you cannot be my disciple. You know the word, the root word disciple, disciplined ones. And of course, when you study that, he doesn't mean hate like we think, I hate him. It means relative, the word literally in the Greek word means relative disregard. In other words, he said, to be a disciple means that you find yourself in a place where your love for me is so disciplined 
it's so strong, it's so full in your life that it makes the love that you have for your own kindred, even your spouse, look like hatred by comparison. But again, as I always say when I mention that, remember God never takes away. I always say, you know, if a husband like that, he'll not make, a husband won't be a lesser husband. If somebody loves God that much, he'll be a far better husband because that's how God works. But the point is, so you've got regeneration, you've got conversion, and you've got disciples, discipleship. So everybody in here is in one of those positions. What I'm asking is that you do not settle for just being born again. What I'm trying to ask you is that you'll begin to pursue God more, that you really will begin to say, I'm going to get my mind renewed, that you really will say, I'm going to read this book and I'm going to, pray. I'm going to use the tools God gave me, like the very, the, what's one of the major tools he's given us? Prayer. I'm going to find these verses. I mean, how many of you were taught, like I said, I was trying to ask how many, how long people have been born again. There's a lot of places where Julie and I will go where people have only been born again, like two years. They've never heard any teaching on what we call faith. Some of us have been around a while. We know what we mean when we say faith teaching, but there's some people who have no idea what that is. A lot of people have no idea whatsoever what we mean by righteousness, what it really means to have right standing with God right now by virtue of our faith in Christ. But whatever it is, I'm just trying to get us to this this point. God wants us blessed. He's given us the tools to get that blessing. And one of the major tools is something called faith. Some, some will be confident just to be saved and go to heaven, but there's more I had down here. Now, um, so God's goodness, like I said, this is, it's about do we believe he's good? Do, can you begin, can you at least begin to say, God, I believe God, I don't care what it may be. It's not even that you may want it. I mean, everybody would probably love a newer, bigger house, but I'm just trying to say, see, don't, it's not about the stuff. Remember I said weeks ago, God could care less about stuff. He lives outside the realm of stuff. You know what I mean? Remember? Remember? It's not about, God could care less about stuff. Like he said, the silver's mine, the gold is mine, the cattle's mine. I made all that stuff. You know, like he says, could you make, do you think you're going to make a habitation for me? I mean, I live in the heavens. You know, you're going to worry about food for me? I don't need your food, all the cattle. I could, you know, I could have a barbecue every 30 seconds if I wanted to. I'm God, you know. That's, I'm bigger than all that. I'm outside all that. It's not about that. But what he's saying is, but I want to know, can you, can you get to the place where you believe that I'm so good that it would be nothing, a drop in the bucket for me to give you a brand new house? It would be, it would, you know, just, you know, and just house, new car, incredible job, you know, incredible relationship. I finally get the right man, right, ladies? I finally get the right woman. Yes, man. Hallelujah. But I mean, just it's, it's seriously. But see, if you're honest, particularly when the pressure's on, you it's this thing, like I said, God's some far away trip. It's, you know, church is, isn't about, see, so many people don't understand that church isn't about church. You see, we're trying to get people from from the gathering to the God of the gathering. 
You know, he, he wants us to get to him. He wants us to dare to believe him. Is he good enough? Do you can't see, and this is something I'm telling you, it doesn't happen overnight. But God's been working on me, like I said, for this last, last 18 months about this stuff. Just, and maybe whatever, it could, because there's a reason for it. It's not about Rod getting a new car. It's not about you getting a new car, new house, new dog, whatever it may be. But an issue is he's trying to get us to see who he really is, that he's altogether good. He's altogether merciful. He's altogether gracious. He's all loving. He is love. I want to overwhelm you with my love and my grace and my blessing. And he said, but there, you know, there is a God of this world, though, who's blinded the eyes of many people so that they won't see this. But he said, I'm trying to get your eyes open. And the only way you get your eyes open is how? Faith comes by hearing. I said, faith comes by hearing. You have to put yourself in the position where you actually begin to hear and even understand that. In other words, one of the tools, one of the tools is, will you hear? Amen? Will you hear? Yeah, forget that. No, it's about, we're going to do, do it at the end of the service. Yeah, I forgot we did. Sorry we didn't do it. Just Dominic and Chris have a, a skit they're going to do for us. But it'll work good at the end of the service. But anyhow, back to this thinking again. I mean, I don't know, Karen, what's, you know, the deepest dream of Karen Powell's heart. Does she actually believe that God is good enough to do it? You know, to, I don't know, maybe to put hair back on Mike's head. You think? But remember, but seriously, remember what I said earlier about, like I said about my friend, Honest, now again, again, listen to me about God's, he, he interrupted me on Thursday morning, said, I need, will somebody get out there in impossible land? Does, does God still raise from the dead? But see, do, do you actually believe that? I mean, see, this is what I'm trying to say. We, he's wanting us to get to, and the only way you can get there there ain't no shortcuts. It's by staying in his word. This book of the law shall not depart out of their mouth. This book of the law shall not depart out of their mouth. Be strong, be courageous, go take the land. But this book shall not be to depart out of their mouth. You've got to keep the book in your mouth. I said you've got to keep the book in your mouth. And you've got to speak faith every day over whatever your area is. Like I said about, you know, I continue to, one of my prayers every single morning continues to be for greater creativity to come upon all of my people. But see, are you doing that daily? And no, you're not. You're just not. So don't expect something to happen if you're not using the tool. You can look, you can, you know, how many, you, know, you take a hammer and a nail, you take the hammer, you hit the nail, and you start the nail, and the nail's sitting there. But for you to have it done, the nail needs to be all the way nailed in. But what you do is you stare at it once a day. Why isn't that nailed in there? You even ask friends, I don't understand. The nail's there, but it's not in. And there's a hammer sitting there the whole time. I'm just trying to say you got to use the tool that God gave you. Prayer, read the word, speak the word. It do, what, read the book. It doesn't happen any other way. Believe the prophets, believe what they say, so shall you prosper. Paul said in Corinthians, I believed 
therefore have I spoken. Right? I believed, therefore I spoke. If you really, what? listen, this is what I mean. I hear you speak and then I know what you really believe. Uh, oh, Pastor, you know, that's woe is me. Ain't nothing happening. The dog hates me. The cat hates me. My people hate me. I mean, you know. And uh, and I know that. Well, you don't. And you say, but I but I believe God. Well, no, you don't believe God, because what you if, what you believe, you're speaking. You just spoke it, so I know what you believe. You have more faith in depression. You have more faith in in all the stupid thoughts that are in your head than differentiating like God's instruction says and putting the word in your mouth, regardless of the thought in your head. Because the way the thoughts in your head change is by the word in your mouth. It ain't that difficult. It's not rocket science. I'm still going to be shorter. I'm still going to start. I'm going to, like I said, start stopping. Romans 4, real quick. Real quick. God help me. Romans 4. Uh, Paul says here, now I'm going to start in verse 1, but then I'm going to jump ahead. He said, but if so, what shall we say about Abraham, our forefather, humanly speaking? What did he find out? How does this affect his possession, his position and what it was gained by him? And he's referring to the fact that in Romans 3, Paul's talking about how men are not justified by the works of the law, but they're justified by something called faith. The way you find yourself in a position of being just before God is by faith, which is believing, not working. Did you hear me? Believing, not working. Verse 2, for if Abraham was justified or established just by an acquittal from good by good works, if Abraham was justified by works, he said, well, he's got grounds for both. In other words, he could say, hey, yeah, man, I worked a lot, so I earned this. You see, you got to say this about yourself. You can't work to earn the favor of God. Listen, you can't work to earn the blessing of God. I said you can't work the way you can define work by doing enough good deeds to be justified before God. No. Jesus said, this is the work that you believe. Our work is a spiritual thing now. It's when with the heart we choose, we make a choice, I believe. Outside of circumstances, Hi, my name is Rod. This is a church. We're called CCF. I love you. I love you. Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. Verse 2 again. Listen to Paul's argument here. For if Abraham was justified by works, well, then he has a reason to boast, you know, but he said, but he, he won't be able to boast before God. In other words, he won't be pleasing to God if he, if he, if he just thinks it's about works. Again, I'll, I'll go to them later in the weeks to come. But again, we know Romans eleven six says what? 
Now really hear this, without faith, it is impossible. And again, I, I see the danger is most of you can quote it. That's why you don't know it. But without faith, it's impossible. What does impossible mean? You know what the word in Greek means? It means impossible. It's impossible to please God without faith. Because you have to believe, number one, that God is. You have to believe that goodness is. But then the other thing you have to believe is that he's a rewarder. He's not a, he's not a hurter. He's not a dammer. He's not a killer. You have to believe he's a rewarder. Now, you can see you need to think about that simple statement a lot more than you really have. Every thought you have about God should center around him being a rewarder. I got, listen, every thought you ever have about God needs to just swim full of the fact that I know that he is nothing but a rewarder. He is a blesser. He's good. His goodness. Everything about him is goodness. There's nothing about him that takes. Everything about him gives. I mean gives freely. Freely. <laughs> There's no cost. That's mind-blowing when you really think on it. So he goes on to say, verse 3, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed in God. And it, what's it? His belief was credited to his account as right living. As right living. Belief, God looked at somebody that believed and it was credited to him. He wrote in his book, this guy before me is living right. Didn't have anything to do with his behavior. And again, this is a biggie for us to receive. I am right with God, not based upon behavior. I'm right with God because I believe. You're right with God because you believe. That's supposed to set something in motion where you actually begin to reach out and say thank you and enter into his courts with a lot of thanksgiving. Now he goes on to say, verse 4, now to a laborer, his wages aren't counted as a favor or gift, but it's an obligation, something owed to him. But to one who not working trusts, but to one who not working at it, but somebody who just trusts, who believes fully in him, who believes in who? Him who justifies the ungodly. I'm, I think it's amazing that that's the one statement that the Spirit of God has him say, that you have to believe in. And again, what does that point to? It points to his goodness. God justifies ungodly people by faith. They're ungodly 
But when they believe, before they get more godly, I said, do you hear what I'm saying? Before they get more godly, he justifies them and says they're godly. See, this is what it's going to get to over in a moment. See, God, again, it's going to come down here and say in a little bit about how when God called Abraham the father of many nations, he called him the father of many nations. Listen, listen. He called him the father of many nations before he was the father of even one person, right? And so, again, I know you know this, but see, we don't know it. God always, he'll say, you're just before you're just. He'll say you're accepted before you've done anything right. He justifies ungodly people, and then they become godly. He calls him, see, God speaks first something that doesn't exist yet. He calls those things that are not as though they are, as though they were, and then they become. Paul again, I believe, therefore I speak, and therefore I'll become. I said, I believe, therefore I speak, and therefore it comes. See, put it in your words. This is the this is the way this is the way God said is right living before him. This is what causes the manifestation of the promises. Now let me hurry up down here because I really want to stop for this week. Like I said, I got a lot more. Um started, let me jump to verse nine. I'll read that quickly. Is this blessing? Everybody say blessing. Is this blessing happiness then meant only for the circumcised? In other words, for the people that are under the under the law or for the uncircumcised people that are not. We say that faith was what caused the credit of right standing to come to Abraham. We say that faith was credited to Abraham as righteous. How then was it credited to him? Was it before or after he'd been circumcised? In other words, Works didn't come before righteousness. Righteousness came and then works evolved. Was it before or after he'd been circumcised? It was not after, but left before. Verse 11, he received the mark of circumcision as a token or an evidence and a seal of the right standing which he had by faith before he was circumcised. Faith so that he was to be made the father of all who believe, though without circumcision. In other words, he's the father of all of us who believe God, even when we haven't got godly yet. He's the father of all of those who believe God before the promise is manifested. We continue to believe. So that he was made to be the father of all who truly believe, though without circumcision, and who thus have right standing with God imputed to them, credited to their account. Verse twelve, as well as that he made the fa- as well as that he made the father of those circumcised persons who are not merely circumcised, but also walk in the way of faith, which our father Abraham. But now here's where I want us to really start in the next four verses. Then we're going to stop. Verse thirteen for the promise. Everybody say the promise. Are there promises in the Bible? Do you want them to come to pass in your life? And hopefully we can all say, yeah, I I, want to see those manifest. Now watch this. 
Again, it's simple, but I'm just trying to start about faith here for these next few weeks. For the promise to Abraham or his posterity that he should what? Inherit the world. God gave him a promise basically that he was going to inherit the world. It didn't come through observing works, commands of the law. But how did it come? It came through the right standing, the right way of living, which is expression of our faith. I said it's when we walk by faith, not because I have it, not because I see it, but I've, I, I believe. I believe he's that good. <laughs> I believe he's that good. For the promise to Abraham or his posterity that he should inherit the world did not come through observing the law, works, but it came through the righteousness of faith. Verse 14, if it is the inheritance of the law who are to be the heirs, then faith is made futile. One translation says null and void. In other words, faith, if you have to work for right standing, faith is exempt. Faith has no, there's nothing there. Didn't come through that. And he said, certain, I'm sorry, for the promise to Abraham, I'm sorry, if it is to be the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, then faith is made futile and empty of all meaning, and the promise of God is made void. It is no, it has no power. The promise loses all power if you think you have to work for it. The only way God's promises are empowered or enacted is through our faith. And faith is something that you have in the heart and the mouth. And we'll go through that, like I said, in the next few weeks sometime. We're going to hit them hard and hit that stuff hard again. What's in your heart comes out your mouth. Verse 14, if it is, no, 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 no just read, I'm sorry, verse 15. For the law results in divine wrath. But where there is no law, there is no transgression of it either. Can you imagine you can get to the place where you're so aware that there are no laws anymore for me to break? That I walk in perfect peace. I will do nothing wrong today because I'm no longer under any of God's laws, any of the laws. See, but the thing is, I gotta, this is a whole other teaching. We are no longer under the law as far as the mosaic law, the do's and the don'ts. Let me say it this way. You and I are no longer under the do's and don'ts, but this is where a lot of ministers don't differentiate. They need to say it clearly. But we're not exempt from the moral law. The moral law of the the law and of the Old Testament stands today. Morality. But the do's and don'ts have been destroyed. I will not be better by doing more. God looks to see if I'm in faith. He rejoices to do good unto those who walk by faith. Do I really believe? Am I just so childlike, so foolish in the appearance of others that I say, God loves me and he's so good I've got a brand new car. Or he's so good, I got a brand new guitar. Or he's so good, he's opened all these doors for me to to minister the gospel. He's so good, I'm telling you, my prayer life 
You know, can you imagine waking up one day and just realizing every, every single person I pray for today, my prayer is going to change something. Every, everyone. And I tell you, you, he will prompt you to have that kind of understanding. Listen, somebody, like I said, has to believe. He's looking, will somebody dare to be that big, to think that way? Once in intercession, many, many years ago when I still live in America, I was, you know, I, I would spend hours in tongues and I'd walk up and down and be praying in tongues and all of a sudden English would come out on me and I knew it was like an interpretation of the tongue I was praying. And I remember sometimes I'd start to pray. I'd start to pray for a situation and I got so loud once and I got so aggressive in the declaration. I mean, I got so flipping loud, I scared myself. And I thought, oh man, I'm really out of it. You know, I'm, I've lost it. I'm going too far. But I was all by myself. Nobody was around. And suddenly I heard this word. He said, keep praying. You may be the only one praying like this about this right now. And this is why I had to learn. I spent so, all, so many of my years, like I said, I always prayed alone because I can pray alone. I don't have to worry what anyone else thinks. And sometimes when I'm alone, like I said, there's stuff that comes out of me that freaks me out still. But I trust him. And if I'm praying for, not against, God's with it. And I'm telling you, you have to have, you have, to have this attitude every single time I pray things change for the better. Every, every. See, I don't, I don't just pray to hear myself. I, I'm not just fanning the air. I don't know if you've noticed, and again, I'm not trying to draw attention to me, but like when I pray in the beginning of services sometimes, you'll, I, I, he did this. I didn't try to do this, but I pray so slow now because I'm so aware that every word is being heard by the angels and that the king is there to substantiate what I pray because I'm his son and I'm coming in the name of Jesus in which all authority resides. And see, I practice my faith of this so that I believe when I pray, things change every time. But see, that's what you're supposed to do too, right? You see, but the first thing, well, but no, well, who am I? I mean, I'm not good enough. I know I'm still, I'm not that big of a Christian. See, this works. You're, you're thinking, you're basing the anointing, you're basing the authority of the name of Jesus on something you do? No, this is where, this is what, see, faith is an abandonment of you and an embracing of him. You hear me? It's all about him. It's the name of Jesus. It's the name. It's not me. It's the name of Jesus that I am trusting will raise up my brother in America. It's the name, the, the authority that's in the name of Jesus. But see, I've studied the name of Jesus for years, and I possibly have more understanding of it than many of you. That doesn't make me better, but I'm saying, see, whatever the issue is, prayer, the name of Jesus, the authority, some music, like I said, the the, the studying of the prophecies, the stuff, the music, Judah going first, all blah, 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 all this stuff. It's, you know, what you study is what you imbibe and what you begin to develop faith in. It's, it, I mean, of course, it's obvious. Oh, my God, I'm, I've got to stop. Let me go back to verse 14 again, guys. 
if it is the inheritance of the law, people who just think it's all about works, then faith is made futile and empty of all meaning, and the promise of God is made void as an old and has no power. No power. Verse 15, for the law results in wrath. In other words, the only thing that the law ever produced was people getting in trouble because none of them could keep the law. But where there is no law, there is no transgression of it either. There is no more law, so there's nothing I can transgress. Ooh, I know that will really upset some religious demons. It may be in this room right now, but go ahead and be thou upset. Verse 16, therefore, inheriting the promise. And see, this is what Paul's trying to get at. Do you want the promise to manifest? Do we want the promise of God to manifest. And this is what I'm trying to say, why I need, I'm going to be teaching on faith. Well, from, it's going to come though from another direction. What does this say? Inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith, not works. Inheriting any promise of God if you inherit anything, it's going to be because it's going to be because you actually released faith. Therefore, inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith and depends entirely on faith. Watch this, though. In order, this is why it's so important that you understand faith, because it's only when you have faith that you can understand grace. And it's only when you understand grace you understand how important faith is, because faith and grace always go together. Always go together. Grace, you know, grace and truth, grace and truth, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Grace and faith always work together. Just listen. Therefore, inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith and depends entirely on faith in order. The reason it depends entirely on faith is so that it can be by grace. <laughs> See, all of this then leans, leans back to this. It's all about God's grace. Again, gift, no works. What I'm trying to say, grace means no works, it's the gift of God. It's the gift of God. But faith, the reason all the promises depend on faith is so that people can understand that it's all about grace. Let me just read it. Therefore, inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith and depends entirely on faith in order that it might be given, given what might be given, the, the promise, in order that it might be given as an act of grace and merited favor to make it stable and valid and guaranteed, man, to all of Abraham's descendants of which you and I are them. See, the reason God did all this, he put something in motion so that it would be available to every single one of us until he returns. Hallelujah. To make it stable, valid, and guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the devotees and adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham, who is thus the father of us all. And again, verse 17, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. And see, a lot of, some of us don't, again, see what's really being said here. I've made you the father of many nations. Now remember, and it's what it's trying to say is, I said this to Abraham before he was the father of many nations. So I'm repeating what I said earlier, but it needs to be repeated. He said, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He was appointed our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and speaks of non-existent things that he has foretold and promised as if they already existed. Again, 
he's, what, what Paul's trying to say here, listen, God gave a promise to Abraham and then he spoke over him and said, you're the father of many nations. And he was the father of nothing. So again, you just got to see it. This is what you see. You have to understand this in you. You have to speak of things that aren't. Faith, the faith of God has within its truth and its teaching that you must, if, if you want to inherit the promises, that's up to you. I don't know if you do. If I know it's, but if you want to, and say, I'm tr- oh God, help me. If you want to inherit the promises, you have to see that God speaks first before existence comes. So we are made in the image and the likeness of God. Mark 11, Jesus said, have the God kind of faith. Well, that means you and I need to speak of things that aren't so that they can become. Okay? Please, are you hearing me? But see, this is not some little game. This is life and death. This is what makes the difference between staying just born again and I go to church to being converted, to coming to a place of conversion in the way you think. I said to come to a place of conversion in the way you think. Uh, Sorry. I'm getting off my chair now. Get out, get, get back, back. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to be, I'm sorry for being silly because I, I, I don't want you to miss it. Inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith. What is faith? I, you see, this is what I mean. We're just going to go over it until we get, and until I, see, God told me in my prayer time on Friday that many of you are actually going to graduate to a higher level, that you're going to actually, this is going to become daily your delight, not just something you heard that you can say the next time you hear it, oh, I heard that before but it can become part where it's actually part of your daily life. Not because you're trying, but because it's in your heart now. It's written upon the fleshly tablets of your heart. Inheriting the promise is the outcome of something called faith. And it depends entirely on faith that it might be given as an act of grace. And let me just finish with this. Again, you know, uh, Ephesians says, for by grace are are you saved What's the next two words? What's the next two words? Through faith. For by grace, it's by grace that you're saved. Salvation, healing, deliverance, freedom, peace of mind. It's by grace that you're saved, but it's through faith. Now, if I read on a little further in Romans, but I'll probably get it to next week, it's faith it says here in Romans 5, second verse, it's faith, by faith you have access into the grace. Well, the grace of God is where everything lives. All God's promises to you and I, all God's blessings that he wants to have, it's all a matter of his grace. And remember, that it's not of works, so that any man should boast, it is the gift gift. 
It's the gift of God. It's the gift. He said, here, grace, favor, no works, not do's and don'ts, grace. But this is the statement that I was taught all those years ago that I've watched to be true. So what you have to understand as far as godly Bible patterns is this. Listen, everything, everybody say everything. Everything means everything. Everything that God's grace has made available, everything that grace has made available, everything that God's grace has made available is acquired through faith. In other words, thank God. You, but so first you have to see what, it, what, could, what did God do? What did he pay for? What's available? And then you say, hallelujah, it's available. I see it. But grace, but faith is what obtains it. Everything that grace has made available, faith obtains. Faith must obtain. You heard that Jesus Christ was the son of God. Somehow you heard that he loved you. Didn't understand it, did you? Of course you didn't. You couldn't. But you somehow, something touched your heart and you made the decision and you prayed a simple prayer somehow, even in your heart, and you said, I, I believe. You believed in something you didn't know. You believed in something you didn't see. You believed in something you didn't understand. But God's grace is so big that you got saved from eternal damnation. Death, hell, and the grave. You were delivered from because it was a gift. Because he so loved you that he gave you the measure of faith. He so loved you that he made it available. But you didn't even know what it was, but you released faith. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. And bam, you were translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your son. The manifestation of it is still growing. But I'm trying to, this is what I'm trying to get at. You know, I'm sorry, I will shut up. Again, everything, though, you have to figure out everything. The prosperity we talk about, the blessing, the home, the wife, the, the children, the, I don't care what it is you and I need. It's God's way of doing, his way of living and doing right, I'm sorry, is faith. Are you releasing faith? Are you saying thank you every day? Father, I give you thanks. I just keep looking at my friend back. I give you thanks for quality clients. In the name of Jesus, I give you thanks for quality clients. I give you thanks for this job. I give you thanks for more creativity in my writing. I give you thanks, Father, for more power in my prayer life. I mean, you know, you have to confess it to have it. It's still the Bible's true. <laughs> it's, it's the truth. Remember, amen, truth. See, you and I need to say truth. That's truth. The just shall live by faith. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 